This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. You're listening to the Old School Blues Podcast. Old School Blues Podcast. This is episode number two. I'm Vince, and I'm sitting along with two hosts I'm going to introduce to you uh, as part of the staff of ongoing hosts of people sitting in the show. Everybody is familiar with the wonderful dulcet tones of Glenn Halstrom of Thacko's Hammer. We got the dice, and the sheep. We're going to play... Hiya, folks. And as always, Glenn <laughs> takes more time than needed. Uh, and sitting next to him, the man that makes everybody vomit on Roll for Initiative. No, nah, I'm just kidding. His name is Crispy. We love him. Hello. <laughs> That's it? Just hello? Well, Glenn was too long, so I figured I would keep it short and sweet. <laughs> so you know well, about... What, Glenn? I just said welcome to Save Daco's um, Old School Blues. Yeah, there you go, Old School Blues. We're going to take the best of the old school community, bring it in, throw it into one little cake, and we're going to build a big old cake of fun and happiness. We're going to have some, put some, all kinds of stuff in that pot. That's right. So in case you're new to Old School Blues and you have no clue who half these people are other than me because you've listened to the first episode, Glenn, tell us about Glenn. Ah, oh, start with Crispy. I took too long introducing. Fine, Crispy. Tell us about Crispy. Hi, I'm uh, I'm Crispy. Uh, You're not that's it. That's, oh. that's all you got. Uh, I'm uh, I used to be a host of uh, Save or Die. I have been a frequent guest host, ah, frequently infrequent guest host of Roll for Initiative, uh, and I have been uh, one of the first guest hosts, actually, I believe, on Glenn's Thaco Hammer. Sorry, um, we need you back. Ooh. I know, I know. Uh, I was listening to some old episodes. It's like, oh, man, I, I miss these guys. Uh, I also host my own show uh, periodically uh, called Critical Wits, where we uh, take one topic and we just run it into the ground for an hour and a half. <laughs> um, and also do weird improv skits because we have a kind of a esoteric sense of humor. But uh, I guess let's talk about how uh, I got into the old school. Um, oh, when I was when I was I've told this story before, but when I was first getting into D and D around the time of uh, three point five, oh. there was this used bookstore by my house, and I you know was trying to buy up all the D and D material I could. And at that point, I didn't realize how radically different things like first edition and third edition were. So if it had a D and D name on it, I was buying it up. And uh, that's how I discovered first edition. I, you know, I bought the first edition uh, Dungeon Master's Guide and Player's Handbook, and I was just hooked with this sort of... I, I guess mostly what I'm attracted to is the feel of old school games. Uh, that sort of, like, deadly mystery where you're not the biggest fish in the pond, but eventually you, you become the biggest fish in the pond. You know, after 17 million experience points, your wizard can cast Wish and create a uh, a demiplane with his own castle and your fighter becomes a duke and those are the things that really appeal to me and in my uh my fifth edition games 
uh, because you know I'm a I'm, I'm a dirty millennial. Uh, Snowflake. I <laughs> I'm very super special. I try to emulate that feel and bring those things in, and I'm always looking for ways to kind of emulate that feel of old school games. Um, for me, I think uh, out of all the oldest clones and stuff like that, uh, I used to be in love with uh, Labyrinth Lord. But uh, as we were doing Save or Die, we did a review of Swords and Wizardry, and I fell in love with Swords and Wizardry Complete. That, to wow. me, is... I love 5th Edition, but if I had my choice, if I could convince everyone in my group, I would play Swords and Wizardry Complete until I die. Hmm. Okay. So your go-to game is the Sword and Wizardry uh, Complete, pretty much. Yes. Okay. Cool. Mr. Glenn... I'm giving you, th you can't see it, but I'm giving you a thumbs up, Crispy. Oh, I thought he was <laughs> giving you the finger for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, me. Okay. Um, I I got back into it in around 78, um, starting with first edition, advanced. And I didn't go back to uh, basic until I started being on Save or Die. Uh, I went to first edition, second, third, three, five, stopped at fourth. In fact, at the time 4th came out, I wasn't really gaming at all. All I had was the 3-5 Player's Handbook and uh, the DMG and the Monster Manual. In fact, I didn't even have the Player's Handbook and the DMG. I had the Mongoose Pocket Editions of those games. Hmm. Um, and I found out that, uh, you know, old school is the way to go. I went back and never looked back. I, uh, <clears throat> I even found kind of made my peace with uh, the real successor to 3-5, <coughs> Castles and Crusades. <coughs> um, <laughs> not that Pathfinder thing. Um, and I play right, right now I'm running a Castles and Crusades game for my Monday group. And uh, I go everywhere from the D&D &D stuff to Oh, we play Savage Worlds. We play Mutant. Crispy, if you don't, if you went from Labyrinth Lords to Swords and Wizardry, if you want to, you try Mutant Future. <laughs> it's a lot yeah, of fun. It's a uh, Gamma World, right? Yeah, Gamma it's Gamma it's Gamma, Gamma World with the BX rules. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because they didn't have the rights to do the Gamma World rules, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I've done that, Wizards and we was... play Ghostbusters, and we play Call of yeah, the, the OGL just meant the D&D &D mechanic. That's all you can do. And so, yeah, that's all you can do. Uh, had a lot of fun with Savage Worlds. I like the, the old school feel of being an actor. I mean, I like role playing anyway, because mm -hmm. I like playing the NPCs and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I do like playing the older games. I can almost smell the musty smell of these older games, which really makes me nostalgic. That probably means you need to do your laundry, Glenn. So that too, that too. Yeah, yeah. But you know, if I open an old player's hand, one e player's handbook, and I don't get that, oh man, look at the look at the you know, you open it up, you see the yellow pages and stuff. These really are artifacts. I love these books, but playing them, it's like second nature to me now. And now I've gotten into Tunnels and Trolls. I'm sorry I ignored it all these years. Yeah. But we played Tunnels and Trolls and had a lot of fun and it's easy to do. Deluxe Tunnels and Trolls just came out and I got that. Got Grabbed onto the Kickstarter and got that. And Gangbusters. Hmm. I played Gangbusters. Um, there's a guy named Mark Hunt out there who is getting ready to release a new version, a new edition of Gangbusters. I can't wait. With with uh, the original guy who wrote it's blessing 
because he he actually got the rights back from Watsy, believe it or not. I don't know how I don't know how he managed to do that, but God bless him. Yeah, boy, but he's got so many family problems right now oh. that he can't do anything with it, and so Mark said, "Hey, I'll do it," and so. He's coming up. He's like streamlining the rules, and he wants by Gary Khan. He wants the uh, book out. Oh, okay. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, and uh, so you know, I'm a jumble of a whole bunch of things, and judges go rules. So that's me. Yeah. That's Glenn. In a nutshell. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned like uh, you have the sense of nostalgia for those old school games, because you know I wasn't alive when a lot of these rules came out. And I didn't really even discover them really until I was an adult and I started doing, uh, you know, Save or Die and stuff like that. And for me, I don't know. There's just uh, there's a feel to an old school game. Yeah, so it's it's kind of ineffable. It is. You can't really explain it, but there's a definite feel to it. And it, uh, like uh, Glenn's an actor. Uh, I have a background in improviser as an improviser, like uh, all through high school. And wow. then uh, I do comedy as well. Um, I do some stand up. And yeah, it, yeah, I just started doing that uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh huh. And it, there's something about the old school games that that fast and loose, you know, going uh, with the, that kind of jazziness of it. Rulings, really, not rules. Yeah, jazziness. I, I like that. Yeah, yeah the, you know, it's improvisation, and everyone's like kind of adding on. It, it yeah. really appeals to me. You know, what, you know what's fascinating to me is, well, in my opinion, is it carries over to the clones, the retro clones. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Like Labyrinth Lord and Swords and Wizardry, you really get that feeling. That's because that's what they're going for, and it really works. Mm-hmm. Um, even Ostrich, I know, I said a dirty word in front of Vince, but no, you didn't. <laughs> okay. No, it's but, it's a it's a clone uh, with house rules that people like. So you know. Yeah, and I like I really like Osric. I just got an, a hardback of it. Um, I like it because it's a lot easier to re read than the one E DMG. And that's how I feel about a lot of the clones, especially stuff of uh, you know stuff Gygax wrote. Like right. Gary has a, a very dry, defined voice for writing, dry writing. Uh, but those books need some heavy editing and that's one of the appeals of the retro clones to me is i yeah. get the same message that he was trying to go through mm -hmm. uh, and like convey but right. i have it written in plain english yeah you got it two paragraphs before yeah my, my wife becky says you got the one books why did you get ostrich i says because gary takes the long way around the barn on everything yeah you know? He does, he does. Yeah, that's just how he rolls, and that's why we yeah. write our clones. I mean, so. I love it. I love it, but when I want a quick rule, I go over there. Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, I wouldn't trade those books for anything. they got a lot of stuff in there that I could use and stuff, but sometimes you just got to cut through the BS. Yeah, and I'm always amazed at how perfect he got it on the first try. Oh, yeah. With, uh, you know, things like playing monster characters. He's like, do whatever you want. Like, just... Make them about the same level as everyone else, and have them grow up to be a big ass dragon. Sorry, I. That's fine. First curse, uh, a, a big old dragon. Um, but like, I I love how he just kind of knew that. No, you should take this game and make it your own, and don't listen to me. Yeah. Like I'm not anybody. Exactly. You're not anybody, crispy. You're right. You're just crispy. <laughs> No, anyway, that that's cool. I like that. Uh, it's, so, and it's funny when I read, I 
uh, in Deluxe Tunnels and Trolls, uh, Ken St. Andre wrote a, a paragraph in there to the effect of, we expect you to change this game yeah, and make it your own. I think we that expect was, you to house rule it. That was one of the first old school games I actually put that paragraph in there, I think. Yes, yes. It's like, you bought it, it's yours now, make it your own. Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. else had the premise of, these are the rules, you know, but they never actually said, yeah. do what you want. Yeah, play champions for a while. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hear World of Darkness is such a, is just as bad. So The original classic World of Darkness was actually really good. Was it? Yeah, they actually had rules in it that said, this is just a game, be warned. <laughs> Yeah. This is not well, real that's life. Good. Well, that's good. Crispy that's was good. a World of Darkness player at one point, I think, right? Yeah, I was just, uh, I was going to be like, you know, I haven't played that game in a really long time because I had a really bad GM. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it just soured World of Darkness for me. You that sound like me in Gamma World. I could do it for you. That could do it, buddy. My first DM played D&D long enough to get us hooked, and then she switched to Gamma World, and boy, was that boring. <sighs> nice. It was like... Two, two years of just wandering around the post-apocalyptic wasteland, fighting something once in a while, finding something. We didn't do a damn thing. I will say that uh, as much as people hate 4th edition, and like I, I get it, I don't agree, but I get it. Um, the 4th edition Gamma World had like rules for character creation where you could be like a psionic wizard uh, that ah. is a swarm of kittens yes. that have all bundled together to be a, a humanoid. Oh, that's the that's the good version, isn't it? I, I don't know. Uh, I own D and D four E Gamma World, but I've never gotten to play it. Oh, four E I... Gamma World. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was based off the gotcha. rules. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, oh, wow. and uh, I wish my uh, cord stretched a little further here. Uh, that's a personal thing, Glenn. Keep that to yourself off the air. All right, all right, all right. Glenn, it's not the size of the cord. Yeah. It's how you use it. It's how you use the cord, exactly. It's a brand new Plantronic set. and uh... Glenn's everyone, everyone's cord's different. You know, at your age, your body's changing. All right, crispy enough. Uh, it's going through some... Well, you know, most men have that problem. Man, can we, like, move on from this? This isn't, like, you know, a commercial here. <laughs> It is for me. Anyway. Glenn, do <laughs> you ever feel on. not so fresh? <laughs> Folks, you wanted that around the table listening in feel. You're going to get it on this show today. Yeah, so. and chili peppers burn my gut. Anyway. Uh, oh. Is it bitching, Glenn? Is it bitching? It's bitching. It is. Well, All right, I well, got we'll, a fallback or two, but there we are. Yeah. Before we head into our first segment, just wanted to drop a note. You might want to take a look at mischiefincorporated.net. They're the sponsors of our show for Old School Blues, Mischief Incorporated. They're still around? Yeah, they're still around. They're publishing okay. Advanced Legends and Dragons modules, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. I knew one they published, and then I didn't hear anything from them. No, they have a couple modules out, and even they have a hat now, too. So if you head over to their website, put in the Tell code... Tell me more. Holy moly. Put in the code uh. old... School blues, but except the S is a five, you get a five percent discount on all on all items except for sale items, and it's a limited one-time use. Just use old school blues, the S in school replaced with a five, you get a five percent discount just for using that. I wish I could do that, but I can't. Oh, why not? I I because I blew all my PayPal money on oh. gaming stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Let's head into this. Is how we roll. This is how we roll segment. 
week's our topic is going to be talking about uh, characters, uh, pre-generated characters and non-player characters. Pre-generated characters. Now, Glenn, you obviously spent, as I've seen at the convention, North Texas RPG Con, which we go to huh? every year so far. I've seen so you far. spend, yeah, so far. I've seen you spend some good time sitting at a table generating up characters for the games. How many? That's because those... I can't get my stuff together enough to do it beforehand. <laughs> well, you're doing it before the game, but how many of those do you generally do, and do you suggest people doing for the well, game? Well, it's 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 not only for the convention, but I found out my Monday group. These guys, these four guys, they're beautiful. I love them. They will play practically anything I put in front of them. Wow. But if it's new, they ask for pre-gens. Like Kill Puppies for Satan, they would play too? I bet they would. I bet they would too. I bet they would too. But um, most of the stuff, like when we started uh, Mutant Future, well, no, Mutant Future, I made them roll their own. But with like Gangbusters, I had to do pre-gens. Um, so when I was doing uh, 50 Fathoms, Savage Worlds, I had pre-gens. You know, so I'm constantly, you know, I am making them up all the time. I say... If it's a con, I can get away with, like, maybe six for my group, but i double that for a convention. Okay. Hmm. Um, it also depends on the game, too, and what you want out of it. Like, if you want people to play only certain classes or something, then that's mostly what you generate. So I'd say about 12 for a convention. You usually get... You do, ah. Do you get any guff at conventions? I mean, I've I've only sat in one of your games when you had pre-gens, so... Right. Did people give, not, give you any guff over that, or no? Not really, because I say, hey, you know, if you don't like exactly... If it ain't exactly the way you want it, we can work and see if we can tweak it a little to... You know, if you want to say, I want a 50-foot uh, rope and I didn't put it on there, then take 50-foot rope, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I, wanted, I want this guy, but he's... A, see, I usually don't put classes down, or... Well... I do put classes down if it's racist class, but if it's anything else, I usually just put, like, um, classes down and no race because somebody say, oh, I like this, but I want to be a dwarf. Okay. Okay, fine. Just put dwarf down. We'll do a couple of adjustments. Boom, you're a dwarf. You know, so I'm, I'm open to tweaking as long as it doesn't, like, at a convention, as long as it doesn't, like, take an hour. Um, yeah, if you so. do the, the brunt work up front with like rolling stats and stuff like that right you know making those quick easy uh changes would be in one minutes. of my in one of my gm books i managed to i went through all the b series mm -hmm. of basic modules when i was running uh rule cyclopedia mm -hmm. and i took all the pregens out of them okay and i put them on oh, one one uh excel sheet and i tweaked them to make them you know like line up with each other and i used that yeah, because B one has in the uh, isn't it on like the back cover? It has a big list of pregens, or yeah. it's, I know it's in the back of the book. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the, like the Lost City, not only you get pregens, but you also get uh, uh, equipment packs that you can use. That's another thing you should think about. I always give the characters like one or two different, uh, you know, one or two different things, normal things, but I assume they're going to have like a character pack and backpack and that. You know, the the normal mundane stuff. If they want to ask something specific, all they have to do is ask me. Yeah. yeah. I would actually... Like... Oh, go go ahead. ahead. I was going to say when I generate characters ahead of time, I found that when I did at Gen Con 2011, when I did for Dead Game Society, huh? I ran a bunch yeah. of games for them. Uh, there were people that 
absolutely because I hand wrote all of them on pieces of paper. <laughs> right. And those I people, do. yeah. Uh, no, I was saying I do the same thing. And those people absolutely loved it to the fact that they wanted to keep it because they just thought it was so cool that how I did it. I don't. It was just my sloppy handwriting, but they thought it was awesome, so they had to keep the right. character sheets. So you never know what somebody's going to like. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing about character sheets. I don't like writing up preaching. I like writing up here. When when I go to a convention, I make th- I make three by five cards. Yeah, that's how I would do it. Tunnels and Trolls is made for that. There's those out there. I've got specially printed three by five or larger um, character sh- blank character sheets for basic that look just like the old full character sheet because they managed to cut and paste, and I printed them four up and cut them out, and I just got a stack of those, and I just boom, 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 boom. Here you go. Here they are, you know, and in the back, you know, you might find some stuff, but, you know, it kind of it's a little tricky when you start like, okay, they're going to take the wizards, so we're going to have to deal with spell selection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually really interesting because I'm just, like, recalling the, uh, the BX character sheet. There's uh-huh. a lot of white space on that thing. There sure is. There sure is. Um, later on after the show, I'll, I'll turn on my video and I'll show you the, the one I'm talking about. Uh, but it's just, it's three by five and it looks just like the old character sheets and they love it. Hmm. They absolutely love it. Yeah, I did a, a B2 game, uh, maybe, friggin' heck, uh, like maybe eight years ago now. <laughs> And uh, I gave them all hirelings, and uh, I am a big fan of uh, D6 for all damage dice. I'm not a bit, okay. If I'm playing old school, I, I like D6 for all damage from, like, right. the Holmes rules. Right. Um, and it was super easy to just, okay, this guy has a, a lance, does a D6. This guy has right. a battle axe, does a D6 plus one. Yeah, that's where you get the... Uh, something to keep in mind if you're yeah. going to be running, you know, at a convention, <laughs> if you just have all your uh, pre-gens, just give them a weapon and just have them do a D6. Right. Right. That would work. Cool. Um, and, uh, you know, so just do a D6. I, it took me a while to wrap myself, my head around. I have homes. So it took me a while to wrap myself around all D6. But finally, ah, they, to differentiate, you give them pluses and stuff. Or yeah, maybe yeah. maybe one of them does two d six. Yeah, that's why I did that when I wrote up uh, mazes and perils. I gave the option for putting optional variant weapon speeds and uh, damage in there because people like that. They don't just want to use a d six, even though that was the premise of it. That's my new bane of existence: is weapon speed. Brian, <laughs> Brian, and, I'm thinking of Brian. And I go round and round about that. I hate weapon speed. He loves weapon, weapon speed. speed and. Uh, uh, weapons against specific armor classes from the 1E DMG is the stupidest table. I, I hate it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. My it God. took me forever to wrap my head around uh, attacks versus specific armors. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had to, like, bring out, like, a, a sextant and, like, a, a compass and a graphing calculator, and finally I was like, uh-huh. oh, yeah, no, uh, you're... A mace is better against plate mail. Okay, than a sword. All right, this makes sense. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I but just... for mazes and perils, with uh, you know the having everything do d6 and then putting weapon speed on that, that makes sense yeah. because you know the Holmes edition was supposed to be an intro into either original D and D or AD and D when it finally right. eventually came out. Yeah, it yeah, was supposed to bridge. For... It was supposed to bridge the gap, and I decided to uh, 
bridge the gap even more. So good for you. It kind of bran- you branch off at that point after third or whatever level you. You we go all the way up to 12 for uh, Mage yeah. and Heralds, yeah. Deluxe okay. went up a little, added more classes, more spells, more monsters and everything, so. And it's coming, folks. It's already out. <laughs> PDF? It's out in hard, uh, soft cover and PDF already. Hmm. I released I it at, re- I released it at North Texas RPG Con. I handed you a copy, Glenn, remember? <laughs> yeah, and I looked at it and gave it back to you because that was your only copy. Yeah, I showed you it, though. It was, okay. It was being released. So mm, you can go okay. take a look at that yes. through RPG now if you'd like to purchase that. I guess out there. Well, I'm gonna have to. I'll see about that. No, it's I'm, easier I'm, for me to. I, I don't like buying things online because then they're traceable, and so my wife so, can't go. You know, oh, so my wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but it goes a lot better when I go. Can I get this? My art and writing is in this. Okay. <laughs> so I thought, maybe the for a minute, I the thought you had become some kind of like weird like off the grid like <laughs> Only tiny my... house living guy. Only to my wife. <laughs> anyway. You're uh, you're recycling your your gray water. Uh, <laughs> God Almighty. That's gross. Uh, Becky's retired now. That may happen. I don't know. <laughs> so, what are the advantages over pre-gens versus letting them roll up, other than a time time, time. constraint? Yeah, that's the big. I know it's the big one. You can automatically well, say right away, but well, for one, the DM knows up front what's coming in yeah mm. you don't sit there for an hour and drop you know roll up characters and then you have to look at them and go okay i gotta just this and the other thing you can go okay i got six or 12 pregens here and you know nothing that's going to throw anything off the story or anything like that okay guys pick yeah and it also lets you like uh tweak those characters to fit more in your world uh, I have a my 5e game that I'm going to later tonight after we do this <gasps> we all most of the group generated characters together so we were able to like with the GM uh, and make them kind of fit into the world and then my friend John came in and uh, our DM was like oh tell me about your character mm-hmm. he's like he was an accountant for a big firm and then he became a paladin and it's like that makes no sense no sense that's at all that's stupid <laughs> hey you don't. You never say stupid. And I it's never, stupid. And I, I didn't never, say that to him, but that's definitely what I thought. What if he's listening? You know, uh huh. Uh huh. What do you have to say now? <laughs> I didn't hear what you said. Glenn what? was trying to talk, and you were trying to talk. I said, "What Sorry. if he? What was he? What if he was listening right now?" Then John, I I think your original character concept was dumb, and I'm <laughs> glad we changed it. Oh, okay. <laughs> to fit the world. That's one thing that yanks at my craw about 5e. Well, we're uh, not here about yanking craw and talking about additions we don't like, Glenn, so move on. Well, I'm yeah, talking Glenn, I'll ab- fight you. <laughs> Bring it on, mister. All right, well, uh, finish your thought. No, no, seri- no, seriously, I just, I don't like somebody coming up, to, you know, the DM coming up to me and saying, okay, tell me about your character, boom, right off the bat. And I said, well, let me play him for a while and I'll tell you. Oh, I see. So, okay. Yeah, it's okay, all that. I, I, oh, I understand why it's there. Well, yeah, some people and do it's like... good for what it's there because you got new people and they don't know exactly know what's going on. I think it's great to to emphasize what role playing games are all about. It's just I don't need them. I've I've been playing because when I create a character, I never have a concept in line, so I use that uh, that part of the sheet to form parts of the character and then develop it as I'm playing. 
Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I think it's a great tool even if you're experienced. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, but I can see why you don't like it. Like, I, I get the argument that, you know, people come in and they have an idea for their character so they don't need that particular part. And I've been doing this for over 30 years, and so, you know, I think I know how to develop a character without somebody having this, without having to write down all that stuff. I could find, I could see where you find it annoying because I've gone to many games and then the, the GM has characters written out for everybody, and you're kind of like, well, I really didn't want to play that. And I kind of want to make my guy like this. So, right. I'm the opposite. Uh, I think it's like the performer in me, but I've never gotten a chance to come into a game where someone goes, here's your character and here's what they're about. And then I have to take that and develop that through those guidelines, sort of like playing a role, like being cast. Uh I love the idea of that. And no one's ever given me the opportunity. Well, I tell you, um, as a player, I'm like a 180 on that. Because I will go to a con and walk up to a table and say, give me anything. I can play anything. Give it to yeah, me. That's what I want to do. Give me a backstory and let me give me an alignment. And, give me uh, that, and me I'll know. run with it. I'll yeah. run with it. I want that so bad. I did. I did. I did. I played a game at, at Origins when I went there. I played a dwarf who said was sh- a shell-shocked dwarf. That's all he said. And I found out this guy went on another party with a bunch of adventures it was almost a tpk with a mind flare and i said that messed up his mind and i played that to the hilt through the whole game you were uh you were playing a character from one of Corey's games yes <laughs> no it wasn't Corey's game but i mean you know dwarf of ptsd yeah <laughs> you know? but it was fun boy <laughs> so let's uh talk a little bit about non-player characters your npcs for those dms out there now, okay. Glenn, you've put out various lists in uh, on the OSR gaming forums and, and out in the OSR community in general. Just list of names after names. So, I don't know how I you do. Names. I don't know how you do that for one, but you're really good at doing that. But when you sit down to a game, how many NPCs do you have statted out or listed out, or do you recommend to be listed out? Let, let's actually start with Crispy here on this one because you okay, started on the last one. Oh, it's the boomerang question. Okay, yeah. I. <laughs> We'll circle back around. I used to I used to develop them as they came into play, so I I would, you know, write them up as they came in. Yeah. Uh, I read a book recently by a guy on uh, the internet, Mike Shea. He goes by <laughs> Sly Flourish. A guy on the internet. Ah, uh, yes, I've got the Lazy GM. That's the book I'm talking the about. Lazy Dungeon Master. Yes. Yeah. So doing the least amount of prep as possible. So uh-huh. I think his his rule for creating up three key NBCs that are going to interact with the player in a big way. Um, I think that's really good, but then keeping them in reserve. So I never prep for NPCs for like the big campaign world, um, or if I do, they're just names and concepts. Yeah, I, I didn't prep a lot of my NPCs either, as you knew, Crispy, when we played Book of Sorrows, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they wound up pretty. I mean, you wound up hating one of the NPCs big time, if you remember. Yeah, but he was the villain. Yeah. So, and that fox, that that fox was also. <laughs> The fox was on the fly, dude. The fox, yeah. You had that, your character had interaction with a fox in a tree that annoyed the crap out of you, so. (laughs) But no, like, uh, what was the elf's name? I can't even remember. Telnock, yeah. (laughs) Uh, You did good. Like, I hated him. He was the villain. I should have hated him. It it got to the point, I remember we were playing our game, and you were just like, Telnock's like, I hate that guy. 
I used to be right every, every time someone said his name, Chris would be like, I hate that guy. So it was one of those classic moments in gaming where somebody just remembers something just based off of that. So I, I had I ran a three five game a long time ago where a guy played a barbarian. Every time he ran into somebody he hated or had to get back or he was a villain and stuff, he'd carve their name on the on the inside of his shield just so he remember. Hmm. Like memento. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, Thule, the god of evil. T-H-U-U-L. Get him later. <laughs> How far do I you guys so. go with your NPCs? I mean, should we write out more stats? Should we, you know, make well, everybody I has a only, personality? Or I only I only do as many NPCs as I've got in the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, I keep, I keep an idea of um, what I want to do. Um, as far as writing the story goes, yes, I use the lazy DM stuff, but I also, there's this guy called, uh, does a blog called The Alexandrian. Yeah, oh, I love op- The Alexandrian. And I eye opener for me. He said, don't prep plots, prep situations. Yeah. And I've gone by that. I pl- make an overarching story, but I prep and say, okay, this is going to happen. Let's see what happens. And, you know, it never turns out the way you are the way you want to in the game. So, and I've gotten to the point where I go with the flow with it mm-hmm. and somebody else published stuff. He says, what you're prepping for. Okay. You're prepping for the game. The game happens at the table. Yeah. The players and you get together, you got a structure for a story. You run it. They do stuff. It's like a tennis match. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody said it was like, you know, you say something, they ask questions, you say, you keep the flow of information going. And that's how the game progresses. And I've had points where I've come up, I've had NPCs pop up that I didn't know were going to be NPCs. This last game, Castles and Crusades, they're fighting an alley, they got a bunch of uh, goblins and two ogres who just popped dimension doored in to cause havoc or something, and they were fighting. One guy had a, a, a web gun, don't ask. Uh, and he fired at him, and he got, like, all the goblins and the ogres, but two of the ogres broke out. And one of them was outright killed, and they were traveling with this holy man who was a, a priest of Odin. Mm-hmm. He, They got him down to where he was almost knocked out, and the guy starts testifying to him and saves him. He is now an acolyte of Odin and following the holy guy around, the NPC. Oh, wow. And now I have to, I, I wrote down, okay, what's his name? They gave me names. Okay, write out NPC for later. Fine, that's something else I got to do. There's an NPC I didn't even know what was going to happen. And boom, all of a sudden they got a follower. Yeah, I had that happen uh, in a 3.5 game years and years ago where there was just this cleric who uh, they came to him for healing and to remove a curse. And I just played it off like the cleric was, you know, kind of an uh, kind of an asshole. (laughs) And uh, they hated him and he showed up later and became part of the story as like a a rival. Wow. It was supposed to be just a one off. Yeah, and you know this priest character is an NPC, and the NPC created another NPC. It was weird, but that's what I love about these games. You don't know what you don't exactly. You can predict a little, but you don't exactly know what's going to happen. So you have mm-hmm. to have NPCs to. I mean, you know what I really love? What Savage Worlds? Yeah. I have a whole book of NPCs that I could pull out on the fly for like fantasy and pulp. Um, 
they're, we're playing a pulp game, they're in South America, and Hitler's trying to find blah, 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 blah. Okay, I got the typical Nazi here, the typical Nazi officer, the typical this, that, and the other thing, and I can run with it. And change. Also, here's something that helps. Here's, here's something that helps as far as NPCs go. Mm-hmm. Whatever game you run, find the benchmarks. What I mean about the benchmarks for NPCs is find the average, the average stat of every NPC. Yeah, it's easier to vary there. Um, Savage Worlds, it's a piece of cake. With D and D, it's a little more work, but you can find, like, say, okay, all yeah. these characters, you know, and it's for types too. Okay, the average ogre has this. In case you need a stat yeah. or something, but occasionally you do need a stat for something. So you say, okay, the average ogre has this in all his stats, or the average ogre champion has this in all his stats, but he's got a higher strength, etc., etc., etc. Because you can vary, find the benchmarks, and you can vary to your heart's content. It always works. So you're basically what you're saying is write down the general stats of, for example, a human or an ogre, like you said, or whatever. Keep it yeah. on the sideline, and if you have to vary it, knock it up and down a number or two, varying depending yeah. on the situation and the new NPC that you're making up. Right, and it can, you can just jot it down, and after a while, you can just do it in your head. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. You know, give I him a like skill. Idea. Give him a skill, you know, that he might have. Yeah. You know, the average person may have X, Y, and Z skill, but if he's special, he gets a Z plus skill, and then just go from there. I like that idea. If it was a, a monstrous NPC, I would just use the MP like the monster stats. But right. if you have a guy who's maybe an evil barbarian and he's as strong as an ogre, I see like having those benchmarks slotting in for a strength score, the ogre strength score. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's what, uh, Savage uh, Tunnels and Trolls, too. All they have is monster. The monsters have what they call monster ratings, which they base the damage and stuff off of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they go from like one to like uh, whatever, and so if you have a uh, say a giant spider, uh, there's a monster rating of forty, and he has to make a saving roll for some ungodly reason. I'll say a saving roll is one tenth of that monster rating, or less, or or more rather, mm-hmm. and it works so that it, it works out beautiful. It, you know, all these systems you can find a benchmark. That's all. That's it. you find your benchmarks. Half your work is done for you. Yeah, I uh, I want to jump back in time a little bit in the conversation about uh, not, not knowing what the players are gonna uh, do in a game and, and how it's a, a tennis match in between. That's my right. big problem with creating like a Batman's Rogue Gallery mm-hmm. uh, of villains for the campaign. I love the idea of having recurring villains. That oh, that's wonderful. It, the Black Baron's behind this one, or oh, it's Keldor uh, Creamstaff. I don't ooh, know. I think Keldor Blackstaff crispy. is something. It's Telnock. Yeah. Oh, Telnock or the Shadow. The sh- uh, the Shadow. Oh, come on, <laughs> guys! Don't... Glenn, come on. <laughs> no, Glenn, uh, Glenn doesn't get it. He he ruined. We had a a real good moment here. Glenn just let it die. I let um, it die. Yeah, you did. Because you never know what villain that is going to really appeal, which villain they're really going to hate. That's right. And that's the one you need to bring back and never let them kill because he always escapes at the last minute. Or they leave him for dead. And it's hard to gauge what they're going to like. You you may think this villain's awesome, 
Uh, but they're just like, hey, whatever, like, fine. And I, if it comes to that, you can just leave them by the wayside. I've got uh, a couple of them coming up. Uh, they've been all over. I'm, I'm uh, with Castling Crusades. I use Bluffside, mm-hmm. and uh, on their one of the ventures that I wrote that I, we they did is they had to stop a bunch of hillbilly orcs from kidnapping this female druid and marrying her off to uh, the pappy's oldest idiot son. I was trying I to answer. It the... was going to be an idiot son. Yeah. I knew yeah, it. I, I'm so well, happy that you said that. Yeah, but uh, you know, he got killed and all this other stuff. Um, I, I basically wanted to answer the question: Where do half orcs really come from? Um, they come from shotgun marriages. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so they had Pappy and Granny there. Granny was a, something of a shaman, and Pappy was his little little orc, and he came in riding a giant bat. And he got killed, and the and the son got killed, and a lot of the other orcs got killed. The other hillbilly orcs got killed, and but the the granny got away. So in this next game is coming up. There's something going on with God, with the orcs and giants, and the ba- main bad guy. I brought back Pappy, and he's gonna. I mean, Granny resurrected Pappy. Okay. And he's gonna remember that they killed his son. Yeah. And boy, are we going to have fun. That actually got me thinking. Um, I, I think it's a little bit of too much bookkeeping, but when your PCs, you know, do kill off a mob of enemies or a, uh-huh. a, a big bad, uh-huh. I, you know, at zero hit points, your NPCs are usually dead. Uh, but I think unless they specifically say that they make sure he's dead, like I tried to do with Telnock one time, Vince. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unless they specifically go like, oh, no, I'm going to coup de gras him, or I'm going to make well, sure that he's you know dead. What? You guys uh, killed him or thought you killed him, and we're just like, oh, okay, let's I just I chopped leave. off his head <laughs> and his arms and legs. Yeah, you did that afterwards at a different time frame because you were so annoyed from the first two time frames that you forgot to do that. Yeah, but he still came back after I did that. Well, I did that to annoy you at that point. <laughs> but the first two uh, times they killed this this NPC uh, Drow, and they didn't bother checking to see if he was actually dead or ch- or mm-hmm. even searching him. They were so concerned with getting out of the area that they just forgot. And then when they went, oh yeah, he was gone. So yeah, uh, but if they don't tell you that they specifically make sure he's dead, I think that's fair game to bring those people back. Oh yeah, that's a you perfect. Know, they project. they leave him for dead, and maybe you could have your NPC play dead. Like, uh, Tell knock. you know, even even if they don't bring him down to zero hit points, if they bring him down to like 10, the villain goes, oh, I'm just going to play dead. So they think they killed me and then they'll leave. And then he's like still you. got hit points. So yeah, he's still kicking like the ragtag bunch. You guys were they were they were in a shipyard to get a ship and got attacked by a giant and a bunch of orcs and stuff. who were trying to shake down the owners. And uh, I had a giant who was playing dead there. I said, no, nope. barbarian went, cut his head off. Skinned it to the skull, put it on the mast, put it on the head of the ship. Ew. That's metal. So it's like, well, you said that was so mess- much for having that guy around again. Did you say that was messy what? or Mexican? Which one did you say? Mexican? What? Oh, I said that's metal. Oh, metal. <laughs> <laughs> now that's funny. <laughs> 
Yes, how Hispanic of him. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I was trying to figure out what the heck you meant. That's why I said that. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not saying a word. Yeah. We have fun here at the Old School Blues Podcast. We sure do. Comments and thoughts by the Old School Blues Podcast do not necessarily reflect those of everybody else. So. <laughs> anyway, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, just hit up oldschoolpodcast at dgstexas.com. That's deadgamesocietytexas.com, but abbreviated, obviously. Or you can go right to our website, dgstexas.com, and you can contact us over there. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. And I will put Glenn's basic D&D cards in with the notes, if that's okay with you, Glenn, that you spoke uh, about. That's that's perfectly fine with me. Okay, cool. So I'll add those into the notes. And uh, I think that's going to wrap up our first introduction show with you guys, episode number two. All right. And uh, Chris We try Steve, harder. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be back next time. We're going to have some reviews for you to do because we're getting some emails in already from the shows that we've done. And wow. people wanting us to review product of old school uh, games of like modules and stuff. So uh, we'll see what happens when we come back. Do you guys got anything that's coming coming out that is specifically like old school centered? Let us know. We'd love to review them. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Just uh, hit us up on our email and, and either attach it or, we'll make arrangements. Yeah, or we'll figure out a way to get it to us so we can review it. Okay. We just want to promote your product. If you want to come on to you know do a guest spot, more than welcome. This is an open show, just like uh, all the shows on the network. So a wide open show. Wide open show, just like Thacko's Hammer. Wide open. No, wide open. Uh, so we're just going to say goodnight, everybody. Good night. See ya.